Welcome back to the Shit You Don't Learn in School podcast. This is Calvin Rosser. You can find me at Calvin underscore Rosser on Twitter. And this is Steph Smith. You can find me at Steph Smith IO on Twitter. So all of us are late sometimes, whether it's for a doctor's appointment or a meeting with a friend. But today, Steph and I want to explore when is it okay or not okay to be late? And what do we do when someone is chronically late? So Calvin, when is it okay to be late? Well, I want to start with an article that was written by Tim Urban and use that as a starting place for us. So Tim Urban is a self-proclaimed procrastinator, and he wrote an article about chronic lateness, and he breaks it down into a couple of things. The first is there are two types of lateness. There's okay lateness and not okay lateness. Okay lateness is when you being late does not negatively impact the other person. Not okay lateness is when you being late does negatively impact the other person. So this is if you went to a two-person dinner and you're 30 minutes late, that affects someone. Versus in the first case, if you're going to a party and other people can hang out before you even get there. Is that the idea? Exactly. So then where it goes from there is that in the chronically late group, people who are not late often label them as all of them are assholes. But there's actually two types of chronically late people. The first group is people who don't feel wrong or bad about being late in the not okay lateness. And then the second group is those who feel terrible and self-loathing about being late. And so he distinguishes between those people, and he says that he's in the second group, which he calls chronically late insane people, CLIPS. So basically, a CLIP is someone who knows that it's wrong to be late, but still somehow finds themselves being late all the time. Yeah, they're engaging in the not okay lateness, but they feel bad about it. They're not this group of people who just doesn't feel bad. So I would put myself in that bucket candidly. And before we jump into it, I wanted to share a Twitter thread that I actually, it seems like I did last year. And it was from reading the same article where I realized, oh my God, I'm a chronically late insane person, which I already knew, but having a label on it was interesting. But I basically asked people, how do you feel about being late and be honest? And there was four buckets. So it was Number one, which matched up to Tim's number one, I'm often late and don't see a major problem with it. Number two was I'm often late and I'm working on it, or basically I feel bad about it. Three was I'm rarely late, but I can empathize with people that often are. And four is I'm really late, but I find it very rude when people are. So what I found interesting was how many people fit into bucket number one. Do you want to guess how many? Bucket number one, I'm often late and don't see a major problem with it. I don't know, 5% of people. So at least from this poll, 9% of people did, and 50% of people fit into the bottom bucket, which is, I find it very rude when people are, which made me feel very self-conscious about all the times I've been late to things. But I found that so interesting that there's buckets of people that have such differing points of views on whether it's okay to be late, where the first bucket says, I'm late and I don't really care. And the bucket number four is basically, I'm really late and I think it's a huge issue that you are late all the time. I wonder what percentage of people in the U.S. are narcissists. I think it's something like 1%. (laughs) But I would consider the people in that first bucket of not seeing a problem with it as being a little bit more self-centered. Maybe they're thinking about the okay lateness where they're showing up to parties or something. But if they're in that group where they're just constantly late and burdening other people with their time optimism, then I see a problem with that. I'm in that fourth group. I, I find it frustrating when people are late. I try to be late because I see it as a way of respecting my own time, but also other people's time. And of course, there are times when I'm late, but I definitely feel bad about those times and try not to make that anything consistent in my life. What do you do when other people are late? Do you get mad at them or do you empathize with it more? So I think compared to someone who's never late, I can empathize with it more. I certainly don't get upset. Even though I know they are in some way wasting my time, I know that I have in turn probably wasted their time or someone else's time. And so I don't get upset about it. Do I think it's right or the the best thing for them to do? No, but 
I do think that because I'm late, I have some empathy for them in probably how that how they view their time and why they might have been late in that instance. Yeah, I want to read something to you from the Tim Urban article and see if it resonates with your own view of yourself. But this is how he describes chronically late insane people. They have a bizarre compulsion to defeat themselves, some deep inner drive to inexplicably miss the beginning of movies, endure psychotic stress, running to catch the train, crush their own reputation at work. As much as they may hurt others, they usually hurt themselves even more. I resonate with that so much. And again, if you're never late for something, I've talked to some of these people who are never late for anything and they just, they're like, I don't understand how you're late. This is a very simple equation. You just figure out how much time you need to get somewhere or to do something. And then you add a little buffer and then you're always on time. And they're like, why can't you just do that? As someone who's chronically late for a lot of things, it is this strange phenomena where you do know how long it takes to do something, but you always get in your own way. And as the quote mentioned, more often than not, you're hurting yourself. So I remember, for example, when I f- started my first full-time job, I was working in consulting and I had to take public transit. And another thing he mentions in this article is one of the reasons chronically late people are always late is because they're in denial about how time works. And I took this bus every single day and I knew approximately how long it would take. And yet I would always show up at least 20 minutes late to work. And this was like a, a real f- job. <laughs> like this is your first, first job. My first job ever. Yes. And I would, as he mentions, just be on the bus freaking out every single day, just being like, why did I do this again and again? And I even at one point, like my boss, it wasn't so much like a sit down where I was in trouble, but he's like, you know, stuff, we start at nine. (laughs) You should be here at nine. And maybe for the, the next three days I was on time, but then I slowly slid into this habit, which really being late if you're chronically late is again not excusable but it is some form of a habit where I just kept doing it again it really is this thing where we end up hurting ourselves a lot we hurt our reputations and that feeling of maybe you felt it from the few times that you've been late where you're like on the way to something and you're going to be late and you know you're going to have that encounter with someone or something that's coming and it's going to be uncomfortable I've put myself in that situation so many times and again I've put myself there no one has done anything to cause that but I don't fully know how to explain it. I think Tim hits the nail on the head where it is this insane behavior. Is this, you mentioned it was like a habit. Is this something you've formed in childhood? Have you tried to change it? In theory, you can change habits. I I imagine you've tried to change it in some ways, but like, where did it even come from in the first place? Yeah. So as much as I want to agree with Tim that it's like an insane behavior, it is a learned behavior and it is also something you can change. And I know that it's something you can change because it varies, at least for me, based on how important the thing is. And this is so terrible to actually voice, but I'm sure any chronically late person will admit to this where I, for example, am late to most things, but I'm never late to a flight. Because there's enough incentive for me to not be late to that flight, monetary incentive, which again, I'm saying it sounds terrible because then if you really dig into that, you're basically saying you're not valuing someone's time. For example, if you're meeting with a friend and you happen to be late, but that's why I know. So it's learned in the sense that my mom chronically late, I absolutely learned it from her, not blaming her, but it is a learned behavior. And even Tim in his article mentions, he he comes from a long line of clips. And I do think that at times I have sat down to say, you know what, you're going to stop being late. And I've made some progress there, but it is such a deep embedded behavior because it starts from when you're born, really. Like when I was around my mom and everything we'd go to, we'd be late to. So I do think there's ways to turn it around, but I have struggled with it. See, I find the airline example interesting. Do you mean that you show up like very early for flights so that you would never miss them? Like you're at the airport two hours before you need to fly? 
Yes, because I don't trust myself to be rational about time. When it comes to something really important like a flight, I leave extra early. I don't leave any room for error. See, what I find interesting about that is I try not to be late, but when it comes to flights, I'm at the airport maybe 45 minutes to an hour before my flight. And that's just because I always think you could get on another flight if you missed it. It's almost like the don't sweat the small stuff see the big picture. I don't ever want to miss a flight and I don't know that I have, but I'm actually okay with doing that. And I, that doesn't give me anxiety because it's fixable. Whereas my reputation with someone, if I constantly be late and annoy them or I'm late to work and that impacts my performance, that I can't really correct. So I, I yes. think the flight one is pretty interesting. And I will just, let me give credence to the chronically late people for a second. For example, there the optimistic side of this is people who are constantly late or more optimistic. As I just mentioned, they don't sweat the small stuff, so they see the big picture. And then sometimes they're the people who will actually sit with you for longer and smell the roses and not worry about their next appointment. I wonder if creativity is associated with lateness as well or just intense presence because you're not too focused on time. I appreciate that, but (laughs) I think that may be a little too optimistic view of late people. And it was funny at the beginning of Tim's article, he basically said, I think he read a similar article where it was just basically like optimistic people have one thing in common and it's that they're always late. And it was funny because he was like, you know what? It made me feel really good. But as a chronically late person, I don't know if that's fully true. I think it is this very strange relationship with time. But I thought it was interesting that you basically called out. I think you have a much more rational view of what it means to be late, where basically you're right that when you're late for a flight, it fits into that first bucket, the okay lateness, right? Because you missing a flight, that only hurts you. You have to pay more for a future ticket, but you're not like holding up the flight versus when you're late for something like dinner with friends, you are holding people up. You are wasting their time. And it's interesting to just think about why some people like myself don't have that same relationship. And it's funny because you're right also that reputation matters much more than missing a $100 flight. And I care in many cases about my reputation, but then in this specific case, <laughs> I just I just don't do myself a service there. And it, that's why I think his labeling of us just being a little bit insane in this domain is very accurate. All of that makes sense to me. I actually read some more research here and I want to see where you fall within this framework. So the article mentions that there's four types of reasons that people are late, four types of people. There's a perfectionist. So they're late because they won't leave the house until they look perfect or the house is clean or something. There's the crisis maker. So this is someone who thrives on pressure and adrenaline. So they leave things to the last moment. I think a lot of procrastinators fall into this bucket. There's the defier. So it's, hey, I don't need to fall within the societal constructs or I don't want to be told what to do so I can be late. And then there's the dreamer, which is someone who lives in their own fantasy world and thinks that time might just work differently for them than it does everyone else. Do any of those sound like you? I bet most people who are chronically late have different parts of these personalities, but perfectionist, crisis maker, (laughs) the defier, dreamer, any of those? It's so funny hearing those because as you were going through them, I could think of a scenario where I fit into any one of those buckets. I think they're, (laughs) no, but I would say I fit in more to, to one or two of them. And I would say also that I think when you're late all the time, it almost becomes a part of your identity and you may even develop certain personality traits alongside that. The one that I think fits me the most is the dreamer, where I really do have this strange relationship with time that is not rational. As we talked about before, I will know how long it takes to get somewhere, but all of a sudden I'll find myself late because I have this weird sense of how much time it'll take. Can you remind me what the other ones were? Perfectionist, crisis maker, defier, and dreamer. 
I think the other one that I have an element of is the defier. I am not defiant really in my life, but there is a sense of every so often, oh, why do I have to be on time? And not so much if I have a one-on-one lunch with someone, but I mentioned the work example before where they'd be like, we start at nine. And I'm like, do we really have to start at nine? And when I would show up at 9.20, it's not like I had a meeting with someone and I had to be on time. It was like I would slot into my desk and start working. And I was just like, why can't I stay 20 minutes later? And there wasn't even an element of that where I was like, this is not optimal because if I have to show up at 9, I'm getting there during rush hour. I leave during rush hour. And I'm like, why can't I just show up at 10 and then leave at 7? There was an element of defiance, not so much of I want to defy authority, but I was like, is this really the best way? So I think sometimes there is an element of that. Do you think that's influenced your career decisions at all? Because now you've thrived for most of your career as a remote worker. And as in the remote environment, you're not necessarily clocking in nine to five. Like you can show up early, you can show up late, you can work whenever. And in most cases, the results matter more than say the time that you sat at your desk. I feel like maybe you can thrive more in that environment than something more structured where, hey, Steph, we need to be here from nine to five, five days a week, and that's it. Yes, 100%. I realized very early on in my quote unquote corporate job that at least that structure, I could do it, but it certainly wasn't made for me. And I did struggle with having to be there from nine to five throughout the week. So I think that naturally incentivized me to look for something more flexible. But it was funny because One of the things I want to ask you about is how much lateness impacts someone's reputation. Because even though I was late, and I'm sure my boss then was sick of me being late, he still, when I chose to leave that job, wanted me to stay and tried to incentivize me to stay because I guess my work was good enough. But it's this interesting weighing mechanism where it absolutely has some impact on your reputation when you're late all the time. But I wonder how that's perceived and how much it impacts your reputation. So as someone in that fourth bucket who's, I'm almost never late and I think it's really frustrating when people are late. How do you then view late people and your interactions with them? It obviously depends on the context. But of course, at work, we forgive high performers for some of their tendencies that we may find annoying because it's hard to find those 1000x workers. So if you fall in that bucket, you're going to get away with more things. But I think what you don't escape from, and this is my personal view, is I think it's really annoying when people are late because it then stops me from being able to plan or do my day in the way that I'm supposed to, especially if we had some joint plans. And then I also find it disrespectful or rude in some sense, because by not allowing me to plan my day, it's almost like you're planning your priorities ahead of that. And I often, I think I have a quite a good view of what I can accomplish in a given day. And that's something I've developed. And so if someone comes in and disrupts that in one way, shape or form, it can actually stop me from doing what I wanted to do. And I just, I find that just a little frustrating when it's not necessary. It's one thing if you're late because you had to deal with a family issue or just something that is very serious. Like, of course, I'm going to forgive that. And that happened to me too. And the second piece that I will say is you can mitigate most of the damage by not doing this perpetually for silly reasons. And then the second is just communicating. So something I've noticed with chronically late people is they'll say just one more minute or just one more second. And they actually need five to 20 minutes and not one second or one minute. And if they need 20 minutes, then just tell me you need 20 minutes. It's an expectations thing. It's when I think it's going to take two minutes and I'm ready to walk out the door. And it's actually 30 minutes later where I'm just stewing and being like, I could have done something during that time or I wouldn't have chosen to do what I did. You're so spot on, but I will say as a chronically late person, that is, again, a habit. All habits can be improved, but that's something, for example, I remember growing up and 
we would go to a family outing and my dad would say, we need to leave at this time. And my mom would say, okay, we'll leave at that time. And then when it came to that time, he's like, okay, let's leave. And she would just be running around the house, like trying to get her stuff together. And and as you said, she'd be like one more minute, one more minute to the point where my dad just started a habit where he would, we live in an apartment or like a condo. He would go down and just start the car or basically signal that he was leaving. He would never actually leave, but that would make her go faster. But at the end of the day, she would always be very late. And it was just funny to see at least my parents, I guess my dad was in bucket number four and my mom was, I don't know if she was in one or two to be be honest, but yeah, I do think you're right that communicating more would help people who are not chronically late understand where you're at. And to be clear, like I'm not a time hardo at all. I believe very much in the serendipity of life. I may have a dinner that I thought would be one hour with a friend that lasts three hours and maybe that disrupts some other plans, but I just make sure to communicate about that. And I don't think, hey, things need to happen at this time or that time. I don't like that type of rigid thinking either. I backlash against structure like you too, which is why I've exited the corporate paradigm in many ways. And I think it's just more of these times when you're just encroaching on other people's lives where it's like, why are you doing that? Yeah, I was reading the, or I pulled up the Wait But Why article and there's this one guy, Philip Harding. Philip, if you're listening to this, it's funny because his quote was basically like, people are late because we invented clocks in turn became the tool to measure wages by. I agree with the notion that it's okay to be late. Why would the person waiting for me not have things to occupy themselves, whether I'm late or not? If they don't want to be my friend because I was 10 or 20 minutes late to dinner, then they can stop calling. And then someone else commented, group number one spotted, (laughs) which I thought was funny because it's just interesting to see how different people view the concept of being late. And in this case, Philip seems to think that, well, if I'm late, other people can spend their time doing other things. To be clear, I don't agree with Philip, but it also makes me think of the digital world. And I have a couple coworkers, I'm probably like this myself, who I don't think are late in person, but seem to be okay being late online to Zoom meetings or things like that, where they'll pretty consistently show up three to five minutes late. I'm curious if you've experienced that and why maybe someone would have a different view of being late online versus in person. And maybe it's because they feel like people can fill that time more effectively. I think it's also less awkward. Imagine walking into an in-person meeting five minutes late every time. They're going to be like, what the hell, Calvin? What are you doing? (laughs) We started this meeting. I see you at your desk. Like you're just on Facebook. Oh, okay. I want to transition a little bit away. We're actually imposing a pretty North American view of time, and maybe it's true in other places as well. I'm not sure about the norms of every country, but one thing that really opened my mind to time and how it can be viewed differently uh, in different cultures is I lived in Brazil for three months and I was taking a course. This was in university. And the whole idea was just to learn more about the culture of Rio de Janeiro and to learn how to speak Portuguese. And what the professor explained was in Brazil and in Rio in particular, people are not late in the sense that we're talking about. They're late. So if someone says that a birthday party is at 1 p.m., it could be normal to show up at 5 p.m. Someone may show up at four. Other people may show up at eight. I'm like, what do you just plan your day waiting around this whole thing? I didn't understand it. I'm sure it's a little bit different in their business circles, but there was this sense of you say you're meeting someone at two and you may actually be meeting at four and it's normal for that to happen. And so there's this just extreme degree of lateness of which I would never kind of be able to accept in the, in the, at least in the U S but in Brazil where it's very normal and people have learned how to live and function that way. And it, I grew to appreciate that as well, because 
it was just a little bit more of a carefree sense of time. We weren't just trying to maximize productivity and get the most out of people's time and our interactions with them. I thought that was really cool. It made me less interested in doing business in a place like Brazil, more interested in appreciating the things like the long dinners and just the sense that life doesn't have to be planned out. So I think time can be a very cultural thing as well. And we've mostly focused on it from the very North American, Western, or just you need to be on time. I guess Germany, would you're probably always on time as well. So it's not just North America. Yeah. Doesn't Erin Mayer, she has that book, The Culture Map. And I think one of them is one of the spectrums that different countries lie across is time. And I had the same experience where when I was growing up, there was four of us that were friends and two of them were always on time. And two of us were always not on time. And the other girl who was not on time, her mom came from Eritrea and they had a very similar culture where, like you said, you could be many hours late and that was very normal. And I think she picked that up from her mom. And so similar to me, she was always late for things. I remember one time waiting for her at a McDonald's for an hour and a half, but at the same time, I've probably made someone wait for almost or equally as long. So it is interesting how cultures differ there. When you start to have a more globalized world, I think you have situations that can be upsetting to one culture or another because someone who, for example, from Germany, if they happen to be meeting someone from Brazil and the Brazilian is three hours late, the German will probably not be very happy with that. I think at the end of the day, all it comes down to is, like you said, communication, because if you are going to be late, at the very least, communicate that's the case. What should we take away from all this? Are you going to just keep being late or is it something you're going to work on? For me, I'm taking away from it that there are people who are late for different reasons and it's not always because they're narcissistic or an asshole or don't respect your time. Some people actually have just built this habit from childhood and they feel bad about it themselves. It's not just about me when someone's late, but this other person has a problem that they're working on too, which is the main takeaway in the Tim Urban article. And it sounds like there's obvious cultural differences as well that we have to deal with here. But are you coming away like thinking about changing your behavior? Whenever I actually talk about the concept of being late and how I'm late all the time, it does make me want to kick things into gear and become less late. But I will say that this has happened many times before. And it's in the past been a very transient feeling because I end up just going back to my behaviors. So I'm not sure <laughs> is the answer. I'm going to try to improve, but I'm not sure if I'll be able to. Maybe you could work with people who are close to you to impose like a financial penalty. Like you're like, if I'm late, I owe you $10 or something. Something that would be meaningful enough where you might be becoming aware of those times when you're prone to be late and just change some of those micro behaviors. Because on this front, I think even the 20 to 25% improvement can reduce most of the annoying parts of it. And then you can still be the same person and improve your habits. And maybe just something like that would work. To be honest, I think the one thing that would make me be late a lot less often is long-term consequences. Because at the end of the day, a lot of people I think who have been chronically late don't have long-term consequences. What I mean by that is, their friends will still hang out with them. They'll still retain their job, et cetera. Where I think at the end of the day, if I had some sort of long-term consequences where friends were like, Steph, this is really annoying and I don't want to hang out with you anymore. Or Steph, you've been late every single day for the last three months. You're fired. That I think would kick myself into gear. Or even if those weren't the consequences, but someone really reminded me all the time, Steph, I think you're smart. I think you're responsible. I think you're X, Y, Z. But because you're late all the time, it makes me question your empathy for others. It makes me question your respectfulness. Even though I know those things because they are inherent in being late so often, 
I forget them. And that's the reality. I forget them because, again, a lot of the repercussions tend to be transient where I have that uncomfortable moment with my boss, but then it's fine for the rest of the day. So I do think that not just with myself, but if chronically late people had more consequences, they would stop being late. Yeah, it's probably you eat unhealthy over the course of 10 years and that's how you become obese. And it doesn't happen overnight. It's just happened slowly over time. And maybe if there were more short-term consequences, you would be more motivated to change your behavior. So I'll end it with Steph. I think you're intelligent. I think you're very hardworking. I think you're an awesome person. That's why I'm doing the pod with you. But if you're going to be late for this pod, we're not going to be able to do the podcast anymore because I'm going to take that as a sign that you don't value what we're doing here. Thank you for sharing that, Calvin. I will try to be on time as much as possible. You don't sound too motivated, but that's okay. We're (laughs) in progress. I think it's interesting how so many people have different points of views on how okay it is to be late and also so many different behaviors in terms of their own lateness. So I haven't heard many people talk about this topic and I really enjoyed our discussion. Yeah, I think this is a good starting point. If you're interested in learning more, go read the Tim Urban article. It's called Why I'm Always Late. I think he does an awesome job of just breaking down this idea and covering most of the stuff that we did. It makes me wonder what are the other skills in life that are perhaps not intuitive that people do that negatively impacts their lives, but are in some ways just something that they've always done and really struggle to stop doing. Maybe that can be the topic for the next pod. I think that's actually quite an interesting question. Okay. Should we leave it there? I guess so. This is the Shit You Don't Learn in School podcast. If you are someone who values time, please leave a review now and let us know what you think about the podcast. If you are chronically late, we'll look forward to your comment in three years. Okay. Thanks for listening. See ya.